and sisters, today we are in our 35th lesson on the person of Jesus Christ. While we are considering him, I want to remind you that he is here right now among us, instructing and teaching us. And there are holy angels that are here today as well, as well as those who are looking on, encompassing us about who are in the great cloud of witnesses the spirits of just men made perfect. And not just here, but everywhere our brethren are meeting by faith in his name. And there are brethren who are meeting with us on the live stream media. We greet you in the name of the Lord. And there are those who are joined with us in one spirit in diverse places all over the earth. You see, there's really no such thing as a small gathering when the people of God meet together in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as a small gathering. It's never a small gathering. It's always a large gathering. Even if the scene, the scene might be small, but do we as, as followers of Christ ever commend ourselves on the scene? Is ever the scene the emphasis of the child of God? Or is it the things that are above, the things that are unseen in heavenly places? See, we as followers of Christ, we focus on the things that are not seen. See, this is a large, we've come to a large gathering. Greet them. We greet you, holy angels, in the name of the Lord. The cloud of witnesses, we greet them in the name of the Lord. We're thankful that they're among us. Today we will consider the challenging aspect of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before I begin, I want to lay a backdrop for us to be able to properly consider this quality of the real Jesus. And this is a quality of the real Jesus, challenging Jesus. Today we live in a day where many people have taken up a profession of faith in God. But they would, you would never conclude it by how they live their lives. They think of their Christian belief kind of like a membership card that you put in your wallet. That's, how, that's really how they consider their faith. Something that you need, that, that, that you put away until you need it. It's not something, they don't consider it as it's something that changes who you are. Like the clothes that you put on in the morning that everybody can see. See, it's a different thing. They think of it as like a, like a train ticket and not a way of life. See, it's a way of life. It, it is your life. They think of it as an addition to their life and not their life itself. Not the reason for everything that they do. They take up the name of Christ in their mouth, but their conduct betrays that confession. They claim to love Jesus without actually following Jesus. They generally ignore his example. They ignore his commandments and his expectations. They say that they love Jesus with all of their heart, but they can't keep his words in their thoughts. Or prefer them in their ears. They claim to love God but give attention to a world who hates him. We don't enjoy talking about it. 
I don't enjoy talking about it. It's like John the Revelator who ate the book and it was sweet in his mouth, but then it became bitter in his stomach. It's not something that we prefer. But somebody has to confront people like this and ask them why they call Jesus Lord, Lord, but don't do what he says. These things should not be so, and yet they are. Because there exists today a brand of Christianity that doesn't demand all of you. It doesn't demand your life. It doesn't require your faithfulness. It is the great whore, Babylon the Great, spoken of in Revelation. A system that teaches people that they can be married to God and married to world at the same time. It's a brand of Christianity that invites the people to live for themselves and to live for God at the same time when such a thing is not possible. It inoculates the consciences of men to live in sin and not fear God. Nay, to feel accepted by God while living in their sin. It's a form of godliness, see, that denies the power. The people have a form. See, there's a form. They go to church. They're involved in their Bible studies and their small groups and they help each other move and they organize community. See, there's a form. There's a form to it. And this is great, but if you don't love God, you've got no power. If you say that Christ has set you free, but you are still deeply enslaved to sin... You've got a form of godliness that denies the power. It doesn't take a profession to be saved. It takes power. That's what it takes to be saved. And ultimately, there is another Jesus that has been presented in these places that does not challenge men where they are at. And I'm going to bring out this nature of Jesus today, that he challenges people where they are at. See, it's another Jesus that that allows for indolence. Mm -hmm. That's the avoidance of exertion. Mm -hmm. Another Jesus allows for ignorance and for thoughtlessness and for languidness. Mm -hmm. Languidness is the total absence of urgency. Just the kind of like kickback, casual languidness. Another Jesus allows for that. Mm -hmm. Carelessness idleness, disregard for the word of God, indifference, inactivity, faithlessness, doubt, perpetual backsliding. See, this is another Jesus that allows for these kinds of things. But this is not how the scriptures have presented the Son of God. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. Anyone who holds out a Jesus that allows for these things is not presenting the record that God has given of his son. And if they say they are, they've just lied. That's all. I'm going to nail this down now that Jesus never one time gave the impression that any of this was acceptable to God. The Jesus of Scripture promoted zealousness, diligence, wholeheartedness faithfulness, righteousness, and the fear of the Lord. In fact, this is what we are talking about today, that he openly challenged thinking that was contrary to this. Consider his manner that we observe in the scriptures. 
where he asks many poignant questions. Practically on every page of the Gospels, Jesus is asking some kind of poignant question, yet only giving a handful of answers. The real Jesus tends to ask more questions of men than to provide them with answers. To really kind of deep down perceive the hearts and the thoughts of men, pierce through instead of satisfying their curiosity. He challenges the way that men think. His questions probe deep into the heart of mankind, causing a person to examine their motives and actions. They are hard, challenging questions, and they're designed to bring us up higher. See, Jesus doesn't stoop down any lower than he needed to when he was being humbled. Jesus himself in thought doesn't stoop down to the earthly, lowly level of mankind. He calls us up higher. He always calls up people higher into this realm. A person who has never been challenged in their thinking has never been exposed to the real Jesus. I want to be emphatic about that. A person who has never been challenged where they're at has never been exposed to the real Jesus. It's in his nature to speak in a manner that provokes introspection. Even among his disciples, he'd say, who do you say that I am? Who, who, who do they say that I am? But who do you say that I am? He asks you that. Who do you say that Jesus is? He wants you to think about that. Those who are sincere will benefit from this and will by faith press in, see, to see and overcome any deficiency that they have. While the Jesus that some people have presented lovingly accepts those who disobey him, the real Jesus asks things like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not the things that I say? When people say they love the Lord, he may, he may answer, do you love me more than these? He asked one of his disciples that. Do you love me more than these? Some people would commend themselves on their denomination that they belong to. But Jesus may very well say to them, like he said to the Pharisees, Why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? They may condemn others because they aren't part of their organization or don't behave themselves exactly like they do. Jesus is right there to challenge it, brethren. He said things like, why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, yet fail to perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? They may think more about their association with the church and their peers than with their association with God. See, the real Jesus is right there to challenge them. How is it that you seek the praise from one another? and not the praise that comes from God. See, he openly challenges this kind of thing. We're talking today about the challenging nature of Jesus Christ. He always challenged unbelief. He always rebuked ignorance. See, the hard thing to understand isn't faith, it's unbelief. Unbelief is really the hard thing to understand. It's unreasonable for people not to believe Jesus. He said things like, If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? That's a good question to ask some people. 
Salvation calls men to a personal participation involving all of their faculties, especially the mind. Jesus isn't impressed with people who offer a portion of themselves to God or involve their bodily service without the involvement of their heart and mind. See, salvation involves you thinking. It's a thinking thing. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. With all of your mind. It's simply not possible for God to purpose that men love him with all their mind and then underwrite a thoughtless Christianity. An enemy has done this. Jesus challenges the thoughtlessness of vain religion. He told the Pharisees, he said, you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. He might very well be saying that to the churches of our day today. Can you discern the signs of the times? Brethren, they're all over. He said, have you not read as so much as this, what David did when himself was in hunger and they which were with him? See, vain religion will cause you to skip over things that ought to be thought over. See, there's things in the scripture that ought to be thought over. But vain religion and another Jesus will cause you to pass over them. That's right. That's right. See, there are are things that God has said that have to be weighed in your mind. They have to be discerned. They have to be appropriated. They have to be considered. They have to be reasoned upon. They have to be understood. They have to be known. This is important. This isn't optional. This isn't an optional thing. It must be dealt with. Vain thoughts must be dealt with. Vain religion must be dealt with. Vain teaching must be dealt with. It must be confronted. And Jesus confronts it. The real Jesus confronts it. He's a challenging Jesus. He's not a sissy, mamsy-pamsy Jesus that's presented in our day. Jesus isn't that kind of a kind of a person he challenged them he said which of you convinceth me of sin which which one of you convinceth me of sin and if i say the truth why do you not believe me put it right in their face this doesn't mean that we're arrogant this doesn't mean that we're proud this means that we don't tolerate unbelief we don't tolerate people who preach lies He challenged their teachings. He said, Ye have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's what the religious leaders had been teaching. You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, so how's Jesus going to respond to that? But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. See, he, his, his, he challenged them and it had an effect. See, Jesus challenged it and, and, and his, by that nature, that had an effect. 
He taught, there was an authority present there. He, he didn't taught, teach as the scribes and the Pharisees. He taught as one having authority. See? How, so, so how, what kind of an effect did that have? In fact, this leader, Nicodemus, it had an effect on him. He came to Jesus by night. See, he had heard of Jesus. He came to him by night and encountered a challenging Jesus who right out of the chute, see, challenged Nicodemus how he thought. When Nicodemus said that he knew that he was a teacher sent from God, he said, I know that thou, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. Jesus told him that unless a person's born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. See, he challenged the first thing Nicodemus said to him, he challenged it. He wasn't about to let Nicodemus think that he could see him for who he really was and the state that he was in. He did the same thing to the rich young ruler who called him good, but only saw him as a man. He said, why do you call me good? There's only one, one good. That's God. See, he challenged him where he was at in his thinking. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus marveled at his words, but Jesus even challenged his marveling. He said, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. At one point, Nicodemus asked him a question and Jesus actually answered him with two questions. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus didn't launch out into a discourse. Well, you know, this is how God did it and everything. No, this is how Jesus answered that question. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? You see how it calls his, it's calling his attention up here. Off of, off of down here, it's calling it higher. The real Jesus may very well say to some today, are you a pastor of my flock and can't understand the Bible? Some say that Jesus understands when we marvel and doubt. And it's actually taught today that doubting is normal for the child of God. Some people actually teach this. But Jesus challenges this. He says, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you do that? Where is your faith? See, it just right there challenges it. Some people have been in the church for a long time, 40 years. They don't understand what's written in the Bible. The disciples were only with them for a few years and didn't have the indwelling of, of the Holy Spirit or even the Bible like we do. And Jesus asked them, are you so without understanding also? Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not? Neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me? He could say that to people today that have been sitting in the pews for 40 years. Have thou been so long with me, and yet not known me? There are some who explain away passages in the Old Testament, like the account of creation, 
They say things like, it wasn't six literal days, it was 6,000 years. See, Jesus confronts, even all the way back from the beginning, you can go all the way back to Genesis, Jesus will confront that. He'll say, if you do not believe Moses' writings, how will you believe me? Exactly how are you going to get that done if you can't believe that the earth was created in six days, like the scripture says? See, some people run to other people to solve their problems. They run to the pastor or they run to the psychologist. They want to know if something is right or wrong. Is this wrong? Is this right? You tell me. You tell me, is this wrong? And what am I doing is wrong? Jesus is going to say to those people, why do you not judge for yourself what is right? That's what he said. When they try to fix all their family, probably their family's falling apart. He may say, do you really think that I've come to establish peace on the earth? You really think that? Some people are always filled with worry about everything. Jesus asks, which one of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Now think about that. These these aren't just rhetorical questions. These are questions that must be thought. You got to think about this. Which one of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take thought for the rest? Why reason ye these things in your hearts? See, cast your cares upon the Lord, brethren. He cares for you. He challenges the way men naturally thinks, and it's for our benefit. It's not just because he's up there being some sort of ogre. It's that the way that we're thinking is not right. The way that man thinks naturally isn't right. And Jesus confronts it. Amen. Some people teach of a Jesus that's like your personal genie for life. He'll like write, underwrite everything that you're doing. As if the only reason why Jesus exists is to personally cater to you and to your wants. There was a man in scripture who thought the same way. His brother wouldn't divide the inheritance with him. So, all right, let's get Jesus involved in this. It's happening to a lot of people today. Their life's not going the way they want, so they come and get Jesus involved in it. He said, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? Luke 12, 14. At the wedding feast in Cana, it was just a request to, to fill the water pot, to, to fill the wine, because they didn't have any more wine. He said, woman, have, what have I to do with thee? At, and he even reminded Mary and Joseph. This was, this was Mary that was blessed among women. He said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's what he said. Jesus reminds us of why he's here and what he is doing. He is interested in doing God's will and only God's will. And it's expedient then that we know what the will of God is and that we be conformed to it. If you want Jesus to underwrite your life, you, be, you better be in God's will. Amen. Conform yourself to it. Anything that is not founded in the truth is reproved and challenged by the truth. Some people say that once you're saved, you're always saved. But Jesus, from the beginning, he challenged that kind of thinking. He said, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its savor, then wherewith shall it be seasoned? 
When men fall asleep and go into a spiritual slumber, you may hear Jesus say to him, challenge that condition. Could you not watch with me for one brief hour? Brethren, it's a short time. We're here for a short time. It's, it's virtually like one brief hour that we're here on the earth. Can we, can we watch with our Lord for one brief, brief hour? I say yes. I said we can. We are able to. He's asking you today, what are you, what are you looking for? He actually asked that question, John one thirty eight. What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Jesus can heal the sinner and forgive their sins, but he asks them, just as he asked the paralytic man, wilt thou be made whole? Mm-hmm. I can heal you, but wilt thou be made whole? Amen. Just how important is being clean to you? What profit is the Lord to you? For what is man profited if she, he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Think about these things. These things are just need to be thought about. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He challenges you to consider what is profitable. He challenges what you value. He challenges what you desire. He challenges shallow, lowly thinking. He challenges people, even when their desires are in the right place. There was a time when the the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her children and asked that they could sit one on his right and one on his left. That's a pretty good request. Jesus asked, Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So that's an introductory thought. Paul was taught of this same Jesus that we spoke about this morning. And his challenging message came right through. See, this, 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 this apostle to the Gentiles, he had spent years with the with the risen savior and this challenging aspect of jesus came right through in the epistles right through when faced with the unreasonable rebellious nature of mankind paul said nay but O man who art thou that repliest against god shall the thing formed say to him who formed it why hast thou made me thus see think about that He challenged some who had embraced a legalistic mentality. He said, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Why? After the commandments and doctrines of men. In fact, the epistles are so full of this kind of head-on contending for the faith that we really don't have time to cover it all today. You can spend several lessons on this. You know, James said things like, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? He said this to a vacillating, backsliding people. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Haven't you thought about that? He contended for the faith. See, Jude says to earnestly contend for the faith. See? The sword of the Spirit. 
It's part of the armor of God. Take unto you the, the sword of the Spirit. It's able to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. Casting down a strongholds, imaginations, not just in yourself, but in others. Other people have strongholds. They've got lies that, that, they, that they've been convinced are the truth. And see, this challenging aspect of, of the Word of God, see, it can cast down these things. They have to be answered. These questions have to be answered. You can't, Jesus is not going to ask a question and it be glossed over. It's going to be answered. People are going to give a... People are going to give a reason for why they did what they did. They're going to give a reason for it. It's, it's, all, going to be, it's all going to be spelled out in the day of judgment. So it's best to, to think about these things now and answer these things now than have to answer them before an assembled universe. Those who dwell in Christ and Christ in Him will experience not only this They'll experience not only this challenging aspect, but it will flow out. Like this challenging aspect, as you live by faith, when you encounter unbelief and unreasonable things and teachings that aren't founded in the truth, it kind of, it'll, it'll just flow out of you. Like that hymn that we sang. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? See, that's... That's, a, that's something that challenges people where they're at, challenges you where you're at. Amen. I'm thankful that we have a Savior who is not content to leave us ignorant. And he's, and he's not content to leave his enemies without excuse either. A Savior who can sift through the throngs of uninterested men with a simple question. Jesus can ask a simple question and just sift through. A crowd of people. And reveal who are the ones who really belong to the Father. Today there is a thoughtless church that doesn't require thinking minds where you can attend and not exert your whole self to the Lord divine. Where zeal is only for the youthful. It's seen as just a giddy passing phase where you don't really have to be fruitful or one who always believes and obeys, where people make a vain confession and live in sin without godly fear, ever learning to learn a single lesson, though saved they've been for 50 years. The people's thoughts are never challenged, nor their conduct, nor their ways, or their doctrines questioned as invalid or expose the things they teach and say. Another Jesus is the cause who sits on idly by, who is pleased that men their life can spend without ever asking how or why, without ever requiring they comprehend, without ever looking them in the eye. The Jesus in God's own account he gave challenges things not anchored in truth, challenges the things the false prophets say, and contrary thoughts he'll oft reprove. Give thanks today for such a blessing Amen. that he won't leave us where we lie. The one who causes upward pressing, who causes us to think and reason why, to make us ready for when we die. A challenging Jesus. Amen. Thank you, brethren. Amen.